Hello, and welcome to The Petri Dish, a podcast dedicated to dissecting topics in one delectable dish. I'm your host, Petri, and thank you so much for joining me here for episode four, A Marvelous May. That's right, over the month of May, I finally caught up on the 23 movies that make up the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So in this episode, we'll dissect my thoughts on all three phases of the MCU so far. It's all coming up next, right here on The Petri Dish, so stay tuned. We have arrived at episode four of the Petri Dish. Well, technically it's the fifth episode that is out, but I'm considering the last episode our bonus episode, which ties into episode three, our Star Wars special. But anywho, I'm calling this officially episode four. Welcome to episode four of the Petri Dish. In this episode, we are going to be dissecting the 23 movies of the not Star Wars, because <laughs> we did that last time, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Both of those are owned by Disney, but you know, that's a different topic for a different day. Anywho, I have been a fan of Marvel ever since I was a kid. I got to grow up watching the X-Men and Spider-Man cartoons of the 90s, and I'll just be frank with you. I got to see the first handful of Marvel movies that came out in the early 2000s. 2008 is when the first Marvel movie Iron Man came out. But I got to tell you, eventually I couldn't keep up, okay? <laughs> I was in school at the time. I was in college uh, from 2010 to 2000, blah, 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 like we talked about in previous episodes. But listen, I just could not keep up, okay? I got to see, I think the last one I saw in order was The Avengers, the first one. And then the next one I saw after that was Black Panther because... Hello, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I had to go see it with my friend Bree. Shout out to Bree. Hi, Brianna. And it was amazing. But the one scattered in between the other six, 7,000 <laughs> Avengers movies that seemed to come afterwards, I just couldn't keep up, to be honest. I'm not really sure why. I just, I felt like if I missed one, there was no point catching up, you know, with the other ones until I saw the ones that I missed. But we have done that now. <laughs> Now that we are all sitting in the middle of a pandemic, I've had a little bit of, you know, extra free time to finally catch up and go through all 23 movies in order. Now, I got to tell you, we are not about to spend, you know, 20, 30 minutes on every single movie. That would take a very long time. But what I think we will do is I will give us a fairly brief recap of each movie as they go and I think I'll give them a rating of my favorite to least favorite and we will use a rating of six infinity stones six infinity stones being the best and I guess zero infinity stones being the worst I don't think any of them will get zero <laughs> infinity stones as a rating but you know we'll see let me take a second here to specify that yes there were movies of Marvel superheroes to come out before these, but those were movies owned by other companies. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is the set of movies, starting with Iron Man, that were made specifically by Marvel Studios. Okay, so let me just, you know, 
clarify that. I know we had, you know, the Fantastic Four and some X-Men movies to come out, thanks to Fox and Sony. Reverse, respectfully. (laughs) But those do not count, okay? Those were owned by other companies. We are talking about the Marvel Studios movies. So, let me also say here that major and minor spoilers for these movies are coming up ahead. So, if you have not seen them, I would recommend taking an entire month... (laughs) to catch up and watch them so without any further ado let's get into the marvel cinematic universe phase one begins with john favreau's iron man in 2008 the movie gives us the origin story of how playboy genius tony stark played by Robert Downey Jr., goes from creating weapons of war to being captured by a terrorist organization to building his first Iron Man suit in a cave to escaping his captivity and vowing not only to stop the production of Stark Industry weapons of war, but also declaring to the world that he alone will protect the United States from forces of evil as Iron Man. I think Iron Man is a great start to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We have Robert Downey Jr. playing the lead as Iron Man. We have the gorgeous Gwyneth Paltrow, the hunky Jeff Bridges as the main villain. It's a solid action-packed movie that doesn't waste time, uh, you know, with fluff. It really takes the time to examine Tony as a character and how he moves from being this, you know, naive, arrogant playboy with a bunch of money and intelligence to becoming America's defender for being a solid foundation for what is to come afterwards. I give Iron Man a four and a half out of six Infinity Stones. Following Iron Man just a few short months later was The Incredible Hulk, which introduces us to the scientist Bruce Banner, who's on the run from the US government after a failed experiment exposes Banner to gamma radiation, thus transforming him into the monstrous Incredible Hulk. This movie was okay. It doesn't dive too deep into who Bruce is as a character. It just basically flushes out the fact that he is exposed to gamma radiation and becomes a Hulk and he fights this big abomination at the end. Nah, it was a solid movie. I give it a 2 out of 6 Infinity Stones. Sorry. From here, we move on to Iron Man 2, which pits Iron Man against the vengeful Russian physicist Ivan Vanko. The second Iron Man movie also introduces us to The War Machine, piloted by Iron Man's friend Colonel James Rhodes, played by Don Cheadle. And it also introduces us to The Black Widow, played by Scarlett Johansson. While I thought Iron Man 2 was a solid movie, like many sequels, I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but it was still pretty good. I will give it 3.5 Infinity Stones out of 6. Marvel Studios' fourth movie introduces us to the mighty Thor, the god of thunder and prince of Asgard. This story revolves around Thor as he is about to claim the throne of Asgard, preceding his father Odin. However, because of disobeying his father's orders and attacking Asgard's enemies, Odin banishes Thor to Earth, while Thor's brother Loki schemes to claim the throne for himself. The second act revolves around Thor becoming humbled by his lack of power due to his banishment, while helping and falling in love with the physicist Jane Foster. The movie ends with Thor reclaiming his honor and hammer while putting a stop to Loki's schemes, or so Loki wants us to think. The end credits of Thor show us our first glimpse 
at the Infinity Stones. Like the origin stories that came before it, I thought Thor was a great movie that introduces us to this really cool character. I'll give Thor a 4 out of 6 Infinity Stones. It had some slow parts scattered throughout, but overall it was pretty good. Marvel Studios' fifth movie was Captain America The First Avenger. Great origin story for the Cap. It takes place in the 1940s and shows us how small and scrawny Steve Rogers is recruited into the U.S. military to become the world's first super soldier through an injection of super soldier serum. Say that five times fast. When the serum injection proves successful, Steve is given the title of Captain America. The final act of the movie shows Captain America and a group of American soldiers, including Teddy Roosevelt, going deep into enemy Hydra territory to save prisoners of war, including Captain America's good friend, Bucky. Captain America then battles and stops the leader of Hydra, the Red Skull, from controlling an anomaly known as the Tesseract, which is actually the first Infinity Stone to come into play in the MCU. After stopping the Red Skull and assuming his friend Bucky has died from a fatal fall, Captain America is forced to crash land the aircraft he is in, carrying both him and the Tesseract inside. The end of Captain America shows the Captain being revived after being frozen underwater for 70 years and being asked by Nick Fury to become the first Avenger. Again, another great origin movie. I give Captain America the first Avenger 4 out of 6 Infinity Stones. Great solid movie. Phase 1 wraps up with the Avengers, which finally brings Iron Man, the Hulk, Thor, and Captain America, along with Black Widow and Hawkeye, together for the first time to form a team of Earth's mightiest heroes, the Avengers. The movie begins with Thor's brother Loki infiltrating the S.H.I.E.L.D. base to steal the newly refound Tesseract. Loki succeeds in stealing the Tesseract, and Nick Fury proceeds with his Avengers initiative and recruits Iron Man and the Hulk. S.H.I.E.L.D. then discovers the location of Loki, which brings Captain America and Iron Man together for the first time to stop him. After Captain America and Iron Man capture Loki, Thor arrives to claim his brother and return him to Asgard for his punishment. It's then revealed that Loki planned to be captured all along, while pinning the Avengers against each other, using the power of the Tesseract. Chaos ensues, Loki kills Agent Coulson, and escapes with the Tesseract. This leads to Loki opening a wormhole in space, allowing the entire Chitauri army, aka the alien bad guys, to invade New York City. We then get to see the Avengers together in action for the first time in the Battle of New York. The big battle ensues, pew, 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 and Loki and his army are eventually defeated. The movie ends with Thor returning to Asgard with Loki and the Avengers dismantling for now. The end credits of the Avengers show us a glimpse of the antagonist behind all of this, the main bad guy for the entire MCU saga, Thanos, an eternal from the moon Titan, who's determined to collect all the Infinity Stones and claim the universe for himself. I thought The Avengers was really good. It brings all of our favorite heroes together, shows an amazing battle at the end of the movie. Solid, amazing movie. I will give The Avengers 5 out of 6 Infinity Stones. Overall, I thought Phase 1 was a pretty solid beginning to the MCU. It does a great job of fleshing out the foundational characters of the Avengers. It also sets us up to wonder exactly what is Thanos' plan for the universe and what is to come in Phase 2 and 3. Phase 2 of the MCU kicks off with Iron Man 3. In Iron Man 3, we see Tony dealing with PTSD after the Battle of New York from the previous movie. 
Because of his major anxiety and insomnia, Tony basically builds a bunch of Iron Man suits. Meanwhile, a new villain called the Mandarin arrives on the scene and orchestrates a slew of bombings and killings and broadcasts them publicly and even eventually blows up Tony's seaside mansion along with his collection of Iron Man suits to smithereens. With his Iron Man suit out of commission, Tony is left to deal with his internal issues alongside a young boy he runs into while he's trying to repair his suit. The final act of the movie reveals that the Mandarin is actually Madman Aldrich Killian, who is using an experimental serum to give himself and others enhanced abilities that could also potentially turn you into a huge bomb. That is not... A side effect you'd want to have. Anywho, Iron Man defeats the Mandarin with help of his girlfriend Pepper, who has been temporarily injected with the Mandarin's super serum. The movie ends with Pepper being cured of the super serum and Tony getting the shrapnel out of his heart from the first Iron Man movie. Again, another solid sequel, although a little bit darker than the other two Iron Man movies, I will give Iron Man 3 three Infinity Stones out of six. From here, we move into Thor's sequel movie, The Dark World. In this movie, Jane Foster discovers the Aether, a dark and powerful energy source. Thor releases Loki from prison to help him avenge the death of their mother, who was killed by the dark elf lord Malekith, who is looking for the Aether. And in the third act, Loki sacrifices himself to rescue Jane Foster from the Aether while Thor kicks Malekith's butt. The end of the movie shows the Aether, which has been revealed to be one of the six Infinity Stones, being given to a character known as the Collector for safekeeping in a land called Nowhere, spelled with a K. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes rates this MCU movie the worst out of all of them, and I can agree to an extent. It just seems like not too much is going on you know she's got the ether in her they need to get it out before the elf gets her and takes over the world pretty straight and forward i give thor the dark world two infinity stones out of six next up is captain america the winter soldier directed by the russo brothers who did so well with this movie that they were given the reins to the avengers infinity war coming up later we'll get to that later in this movie shield has been infiltrated by hydra we find out that Captain America's friend from the 40s, Bucky, actually didn't die from his fall in the first Captain America movie, but instead was captured by Hydra and manipulated into becoming the Winter Soldier. I don't want to give too much of this movie away, especially if you haven't seen it, because it is considered one of the best movies in the MCU. Especially, I think, it is the best Captain America sequel, for sure. I rate the winter soldier five out of six infinity stones really good spy mystery type of movie you'll really enjoy it if you haven't seen it from here we are introduced to the guardians of the galaxy a group of space outcasts led by peter quill aka star lord who was abducted by space bandits the ravagers when he was a young boy the movie revolves around the guardians of the galaxy stopping the space villain ronin who works for thanos the main bad guy of the entire saga from using an object called the orb very original <laughs> aka one of the six infinity stones of course and ronin wants to destroy the galaxy with it just like all the other bad guys gardens of the galaxy is another one of those origin movies that stand alone on their own pretty solid i love the soundtrack to the movie I will give Gardens of the Galaxy a four and a half out of six Infinity Stones. From here, we move into Avengers Age of Ultron. I'm not going to lie, this one was probably my least 
favorite Avengers movie. Most of the movie revolves around a place called Sokovia, where Hydra has been experimenting on people using Loki's scepter from the first Avengers, which contains, you guessed it, one of the six Infinity Stones, the Mind Stone. We find out that the only two survivors of the experiments are twins, Wanda and Pietro Maximoff. Iron Man and the Hulk decide to use Loki's scepter to finish an AI program that they are working on called Ultron. They complete Ultron, but instead of helping the Avengers, Ultron decides, I'm just going to be a sassy robot, and in order to save the Earth, I have to destroy mankind. Ha 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 ha. The Maximoff twins initially decide to work with Ultron and help him to create a new perfect body for him to inhabit. But before Ultron can be placed into his new perfect body, the Avengers commandeer the body, Iron Man inputs his AI assistant Jarvis into the body, and Thor basically strikes the body with lightning and brings this new intelligence to life. This new robotic intelligence is known as the Vision, named after a vision Thor has of Vision and the Infinity Stones. Back in Sokovia, Ultron lifts an entire town up into the Earth's atmosphere in order to just drop it back down onto the Earth, causing mass extinction. A big battle between Earth's mightiest heroes in Ultron and his robot goons ensues. Pietro, one of the Maximoff twins, dies, gets shot while saving Hawkeye, and the Hulk goes AWOL in a spacecraft. The Battle of Sokovia ends with a lot of casualties and a lot of massive destruction. The end credits reveal that Thanos now has the Infinity Gauntlet and is ready to commandeer the universe. All he has to do is collect all six Infinity Stones. Like I mentioned earlier, Age of Ultron was not my favorite Avengers movie. I thought it could have been easily 30 minutes shorter without a lot of the sassy lines that they gave to Ultron. But, you know, that's just me. Whatever. I give Age of Ultron mm, three Infinity Stones out of six. Phase 2 of the MCU comes to a close with Ant-Man, a heist movie starring Paul Rudd. The movie revolves around Scott Lang, who has been recently released from prison and is trying to be involved in his daughter's life. So what does he do? He breaks into the house of scientist Hank Pym, finds this outfit he thinks is a motorcycle outfit, and ends up putting on an outfit that is a super shrinking suit. Say that five times fast. When Hank Pym discovers that Scott has a suit, instead of having him arrested, Pym recruits Scott to help him steal technology created by Pym's former protege that mimics and steals from Pym's own supersuit designs. In other words, homie took my stuff, let's go stop him. The rest of the movie revolves around Scott learning to use his new Ant-Man suit in order to stop the bad guy, Yellow Jacket, from causing mass chaos and selling his new supersuit to the highest bidder. At the end of the movie, Ant-Man learns that the Falcon has been looking for him on behalf of Captain America. We also learn that the Falcon and Captain America have found Cap's old friend Bucky, aka the Winter Soldier. I thought Ant-Man was another solid movie from the MCU. You can't go wrong with Paul Rudd. Okay. Uh, I would give Ant-Man mm, four Infinity Stones. Mm, no, Paul Rudd deserves at least 4.5. 4.5 Infinity Stones out of 6. You're welcome, Paul Rudd. Call me. <laughs> With the end of Ant-Man comes the end of Phase 2 of the MCU. I'm not gonna lie, it probably was my least favorite of the three, mainly because Phase 3 is just so stinking good. But, um, yeah, a pretty solid couple of movies. I really appreciated getting to know the Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant-Man. Mm, the sequels, other than The Winter Soldier, the sequels of the other heroes, they were okay. I could've 
probably done without them. But, you know, that's just me. In Phase 3, we will be introduced to a few more Avengers. I'm excited about that. And we will come to the end of this crazy saga of movies. All in Phase 3, coming up next. Phase 3 begins with Captain America Civil War. Because of the chaos caused by the battle between the Avengers and Ultron in the last Avengers movie, leaders of the world draw up the Sokovia Accords, which basically put all superheroes on a pretty tight leash. The Accords cause the Avengers to take sides and divide amongst themselves. We have Iron Man, who agrees with the Accords, claiming that enough blood has been spilled by the Avengers' unchecked recklessness, while Captain America believes that if they give up their freedoms to the government, the Avengers will no longer be able to do the work that needs to be done. Meanwhile, Hydra is scheming behind the scenes by brainwashing Captain America's friend Bucky, aka the Winter Soldier, while planning a bombing at the signing of the Sokovia Accords. The bombing not only kills the King of Wakanda, aka the father of T'Challa, the Black Panther, but the bomb explosion also frames the Winter Soldier into looking like he is the one who set off the bomb, which causes a big chase scene between Captain America, the Black Panther, and the Winter Soldier. The Winter Soldier is on a vroom vroom motorcycle, and Captain America and Black Panther are going after him for two very different reasons. The Black Panther wants to kill that man, and Captain America wants to save his friend before he is captured by the government and put in the prison and, you know, all kinds of things. The chase ends with Bucky claiming that he is not the real bomber, which leads Captain America to being detained by authorities for refusing to sign the Sokovia Accords and fleeing the government, basically. Third act shows Captain America escaping from imprisonment and gathering a rogue team of heroes to stop Hydra and rescue his friend Bucky, while Iron Man assembles his own team to stop Captain America's team. Hence the reason the title is called Civil War. This is the first time we get to see Spider-Man in action in the MCU. I know there is some uh, dealings behind the scenes between Disney and Sony when it comes to Spider-Man. I'm not too familiar with all the dealings at this moment that we are recording. I know Spider-Man has his own solo movies, I believe owned solely by Sony, but you know. Anyway, he's in this movie, okay. <laughs> Captain America and Bucky then escape the fight while Iron Man follows them in secret. <laughs> Iron Man and Captain America then come to a truce only for Hydra to quickly turn them back against each other by revealing that Bucky, under the influence of Hydra's brainwashing, killed Tony Stark's parents. This causes more pew 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 wham bam thank you ma'am between Captain America and the Winter Soldier versus Iron Man. Captain America eventually shuts down Iron Man's suit and abandons his coveted shield as a symbol he no longer feels worthy to possess. Meanwhile, Black Panther stops the Hydra bad guy, aka Baron Zemo, from doing bad guy things <laughs> and the world is safe once again. Civil War ends with Bucky going into cryo-freeze to be sent to Wakanda, while the Avengers are still divided as ever. I enjoyed Civil War not as much as I enjoyed those Marvel Universe games that came out several years ago that are basically set around the same storyline, but it was still pretty good. Did it need to be two and a half hours long? I don't think so. Some people do, but again, that's just me. It was pretty good. I'll give Captain America Civil War four out of six Infinity Stones. The next movie is Doctor Strange, which shows Surgeon Stephen Strange surviving a car wreck, which ends his career as a surgeon. 
This leads Doctor Strange into traveling the world to find mystical healers that could repair his hands, which lead him to find the Ancient One at the Kamar Taj, who teaches Strange how to become a sorcerer. Ooh. Meanwhile, the antagonist Caecilius uses stolen dark text to contact Dormammu, ruler of the Dark Dimension. Caecilius later kills the Ancient One, sending Doctor Strange and Mordo to Hong Kong to defeat Caecilius and Dormammu in the Dark Dimension once and for all. We get to see Doctor Strange use the Eye of Agamotto, which we later find out is, you guessed it, another Infinity Stone to reverse time, where he enters the Dark Dimension and is killed over and over again until he strikes a deal with Dormammu to leave Earth and take Caecilius with him. I was a big fan of the Doctor Strange movie. I've been a fan of the character for quite a long time. I like the psychedelic mystical arts, you know, dimension bending kind of concept. So I give Doctor Strange a four and a half out of six Infinity Stones. We then move on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. The Guardians are sent by the Sovereign to destroy the Abelisk in exchange for Nebula, Gamora's sister. The mission fails and the Guardians are rescued by the character Ego, which we discover is Peter's alien father. Ego takes the Guardians back to his home planet, while the Sovereign hire the Ravagers, Star-Lord's old gang of space pirates, to capture the Guardians and bring them back to the Sovereign. Ego shows Peter how to use celestial powers while admitting that he killed Peter's mother by putting that tumor inside of her head. Ooh. This causes a big pew-pew battle, Rocket puts a bomb inside Ego's head, irony, and Yondu sacrifices himself to save Peter. The movie ends with a big send-off display of fireworks for Yondu, and the Guardians of the Galaxy are basically just content with being alive and together again. Volume 2 of Guardians of the Galaxy was another good standalone movie, a good sequel for the Guardians. I enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, so I will give Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2... I can't decide between 3.5 and, and 4, so you get 3.5 Guardians of the Galaxy. Sorry, 3.5 out of 6 Infinity Stones. But it's fine, because you know what comes after Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Thor Ragnarok. Yes, so good. Probably the best movie out of all of them, in my opinion, a lot of people's opinion. Fight me on it. Anywho, it's directed by the great Taika Waititi. Several years have passed since the Battle of Sokovia, and Thor has been searching for the Infinity Stones, which he saw in a vision during Age of Ultron. The opening scenes show Thor has been captured by the fire demon Surtur. Surtur claims that Odin has abandoned Asgard, and that Asgard will be destroyed by the prophetic end times event, Ragnarok. Thor then breaks free and destroys Surtur, taking his crown and believing that this alone will prevent Ragnarok from happening. Spoiler alert, that's not the case, otherwise the movie wouldn't be called it. But anyway, Thor returns to Asgard to find his brother Loki, pretending to be Odin, and forces Loki to help him find their real father. Thanks to advice from Doctor Strange, Thor and Loki eventually find Odin in Norway. Odin tells his sons that he is dying and that Thor and Loki have a firstborn sister who will escape her internal prison and will come to claim Asgard for herself with the passing of Odin. That exact thing happens shortly right after when Odin passes away and Hela reveals herself to Thor and Loki. Hela is so powerful that she crushes Thor's hammer Mjolnir with one hand and sends Thor and Loki into different realms of space when they try to escape her wrath. Hela then arrives in Asgard and basically just takes over. 
She then revives the ancient dead of Asgard, very similar to Aragorn reviving the dead in Lord of the Rings Return of the King, but I digress. In order to keep Hela from using the Bifrost Bridge, that's a tongue twister, to expand her new empire, Heimdall, played by Idris Alba, takes his sword that powers the Bifrost Bridge and flees with the citizens of Asgard. Meanwhile, Thor crashes on the planet Sakaar and is captured by a scrapper called 142 and is sold to the planet ruler, the Grandmaster, as a gladiator. Thor later discovers a tattoo on Scrapper 142's arm, which reveals that she is actually a Valkyrie from Asgard, who left Asgard after Hela killed so many of her Valkyrian sisters in a battle long ago. We then get to see Thor versus the Hulk in a fight in the Grandmaster's Contest of Champions to see who is not only the strongest gladiator, but also the strongest Avenger. We last saw the Hulk in Age of Ultron escaping in a spacecraft. Turns out that spacecraft fell apart thanks to Hulk being a big massive ball of green mass and conveniently lands him on the same planet as Thor and Loki. Thor later escapes and finds the jet that brought the Hulk to Sakaar. The Hulk follows Thor and sees an old message from Natasha, aka the Black Widow, which causes the Hulk to transform back into Bruce Banner for the first time since the Battle of Sokovia. The Grandmaster then sends Scrapper 142 and Loki to find and recapture Thor and the Hulk. Loki then shows Scrapper 142 a vision of her past, which convinces her to help Loki find Thor and the Hulk and escape the planet. Before they escape, Loki tries to double-cross his brother, as he typically does, but Thor isn't caught off guard by Loki's trickery and leaves Loki behind. Thor, the Hulk, and Scrapper 142, who has now reclaimed her title of Valkyrie, later make it back to Asgard to save Heimdall and the citizens of Asgard from Hela's evil clutch. Loki eventually arrives with the gladiators from Sakaar to give Thor some reinforcements. Thanks, bro. Thor then loses his right eye while fighting Hela, which causes him to have another vision of his father Odin. In this vision, Odin reveals to Thor that the only way to defeat Hela is by actually causing Ragnarok to happen instead of trying to prevent it. Loki then finds Surtur's crown from the beginning of the movie and places it into the internal fire which revives Surtur, causing the massive destruction of Asgard and Hela along with it, aka Ragnarok. Thor and the remaining Asgardian citizens escape the destruction of Ragnarok and set a course for Earth, only to be captured by a large spacecraft in the ending credits. I really enjoyed Thor Ragnarok. I am a huge Taika Waititi fan. He really brings out the humor and just the uh, personality of Thor in this movie. I really appreciate all the comedic aspects. I really enjoyed the artistic way he uh, shows the battle between Hela and the Valkyrie. Gorgeous movie. Funny movie. Some, pe some people say it was a little over the top, but whatever. Thor needed it after that last sequel, okay? I give Thor Ragnarok a 5 out of 6 Infinity Stones. From here, we move on to Black Panther in his standalone movie. This movie mostly takes place in Wakanda, a group of African nations disguised as a third world country to keep outsiders from discovering the advanced medicine, technology, and other vast riches that Wakanda has to offer. After the death of his father in Captain America the Winter Soldier, T'Challa, played by the late great Chadwick Boseman, returns to Wakanda to assume the throne and officially become the Black Panther. The lead antagonist Killmonger, played by Michael B. Jordan, arrives in Wakanda claiming he also has a right to the throne through his lineage and challenges T'Challa to a ritual combat for the throne. We get to then see a big fight between the two with a punch here and a punch there, here a punch, there a punch, everywhere a punch punch. And Killmonger defeats T'Challa and throws him over a waterfall where he is presumed dead. 
After claiming the throne, Killmonger prepares to distribute Wakandan weapons to bad guys all around the world. Meanwhile, T'Challa's family flee to the sister tribe of Jabari, looking for help against Killmonger. It's here that they find T'Challa, who is actually not dead, but who was rescued by the Jabari, but in a comatose state. T'Challa is healed by Wakandan herbs that we have seen throughout the movie, and returns to Wakanda to defeat Killmonger and reclaim his throne. Very Simba in The Lion King. Very that. <laughs> At the end of the movie, T'Challa reveals to the world just how powerful and advanced Wakanda really is. In the end credits, we see that Bucky, aka the Winter Soldier, has awoken from his cryo-freeze hibernation and is recovering in Wakanda. Black Panther was so good, broke so many records, such a great representation for African American and black people and their cultures in a fantastical way. Loved it. Wakanda forever. I give the Black Panther five out of six Infinity Stones and rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. From here, we get the first out of two remaining Avengers movies, Avengers Infinity War. The movie begins with Thanos, the main bad guy of all the movies, capturing Thor, Loki, and the citizens of Asgard on their ship in order to claim the Tesseract, which embodies the Space Stone, one of the six Infinity Stones. In the process, he defeats the Hulk and kills Loki. Heimdall uses the Bifrost to send the Hulk back to Earth before Thanos has a chance to kill him as well. Hulk lands on Earth in Doctor Strange's New York Sanctum and warns Doctor Strange about Thanos' plan to kill half of the world's population by collecting all six Infinity Stones. Not just Earth, but the entire universe. Let me just clarify that right there. Some of Thanos' henchmen then arrive to claim the Eye of Agamotto, aka the Time Stone, from Doctor Strange. A battle then ensues over the Time Stone. Pew, 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 punch, 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 wham, bam. We get to see Doctor Strange in action, along with the help of Iron Man and Spider-Man. Unfortunately, the battle ends with Strange being captured by Thanos' henchmen, while Iron Man and Spider-Man stow away on Thanos' spaceship. Meanwhile, in Scotland, more of Thanos' henchmen try to take the Mind Stone from the Vision and Wakanda Maximoff, who are eventually rescued by Captain America, the Black Widow, and the Falcon. Later, Vision suggests that Wanda destroy both him and the Mind Stone in order to keep Thanos from collecting all six Infinity Stones, but that idea is scrapped. For now. <laughs> Captain America then suggests that the team move to Wakanda in order to remove the Mind Stone from Vision's forehead safely. Meanwhile, the Guardians of the Galaxy find Thor on his ravaged ship, thanks to a distress call. Thor then tells the Guardians that Thanos is on his way to kill the Collector, who is currently in possession of the Reality Stone on Nowhere. From here, Rocket and Groot go with Thor to see a dwarf named Eitri, played by Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones, to build Thor a new hammer that could potentially destroy Thanos. Meanwhile, the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy travel to nowhere to try to stop Thanos from collecting the Reality Stone. But unfortunately, they discover that Thanos already has the Reality Stone. Thanos then takes Gamora, his adopted daughter, after she reveals the location of the Soul Stone in order to save her friends. Thanos and Gamora then travel to Vormir, where they discover the Red Skull from the first Captain America movie, who is now Keeper of the Soul Stone. Red Skull then informs Thanos that in order to retrieve the Soul Stone, he must sacrifice the soul of someone he loves. At this point, one of the saddest scenes in the entire saga ensues. Thanos reluctantly throws his naive daughter Gamora off of a cliff, thus earning him the Soul Stone. Very, very sad. Meanwhile, Iron Man and Spider-Man rescue Doctor Strange on Thanos' ship and eventually run into Star-Lord and the rest of the Guardians of the Galaxy, who came to Titan after Gamora was captured by Thanos. 
The group tries to come up with a plan to stop Thanos, while Doctor Strange uses the Time Stone to see countless outcomes for the future, only to find one outcome in which Thanos loses. Thanos then arrives on Titan, and a big, big fight ensues. Pew, 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 pew. The Avengers almost stop Thanos until it is revealed to Star-Lord that Thanos killed the love of his life, Gamora. This causes Peter to attack Thanos and they lose any chance the Avengers had of stopping Thanos at this point. Doctor Strange then surrenders the Time Stone to Thanos in order to save the lives of Iron Man and the rest of the group. Meanwhile, Captain America and his group arrive in Wakanda and are greeted by his good friend Bucky before Thanos arrives with his alien army. Backed up by the Black Panther and the Wakandan forces, the Avengers fight Thanos once again, while T'Challa's sister Shuri works to remove the Mind Stone from Vision safely. Thor, Rocket, and Groot eventually arrive on the scene to help, while Thanos makes his way to Wanda Maximoff and the Vision to retrieve the Mind Stone. We then watch this tragically sad scene where Wanda is forced to remove the Mind Stone from Vision's head, thus destroying both the Mind Stone and Vision only for Thanos to use the Time Stone he already possesses to revert time by a few moments and take the Mind Stone slash kill the Vision for himself and thus claiming all six Infinity Stones. Thor arrives with his new axe and nearly kills Thanos but fails to do so when Thanos uses all six Infinity Stones to snap his fingers, disappear, and causes half of the Earth's population, including several of our favorite heroes, to disintegrate into dust. The movie then ends with the remaining Avengers left in defeat, while Thanos is just chilling on another planet watching the sunrise. He's good. He's like, I did my part. Good night. <laughs> in the end credits, we see Nick Fury transmit a message before disappearing like so many others. If you're familiar with the Marvel comics, you know that the message transmitted by Fury was sent to Carol Danvers, aka Captain Marvel. I really enjoyed Avengers Infinity War. It's directed by the Russo brothers who directed Captain America Winter Soldier. So they did an amazing job, of course. It brings all of our favorite heroes together in one big giant movie. It plucks at the heartstrings and it leaves us thinking, wow, we've lost. Thanos just killed half of the half of the cast. Like what? So for all that, I give Avengers Infinity War Five and a half Infinity Stones out of six. The next movie is Ant-Man and the Wasp. They finished Avengers Infinity War and they said, let's give you some more Paul Rudd. <laughs> After helping Captain America in Civil War and violating the Sokovia Accords, Scott Lang, aka Ant-Man, is put in house arrest. Meanwhile, Hank Pym and his daughter Hope managed to open a tunnel into the quantum realm where they believe Hope's mother, Janet Pym, has been stranded for years after shrinking to subatomic levels in 1987. Because Ant-Man has also been to the Quantum Realm, he receives a strange message from what appears to be Janet herself. Scott then calls Hank and Hope, telling them about his dream, which leads them to kidnap Scott and leave a giant ant to cover for his house arrest. Scott then describes the message he got in the dream. Hank and Hope believe him, and they work to open up another tunnel in the Quantum Realm to hopefully rescue Janet. Hope is sent to a black market dealer named Sonny Birch to buy a part they need for the tunnel, only for Birch to double cross Hope in order to make money off of this quantum tunnel for himself. We then get to see Hope in action as the Wasp and kick some bad guy booty with a Pam, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, until she's suddenly beaten by a masked figure who appears to be quantumly unstable and can phase in and out of a solid state, 
The ghost-like figure escapes with Hank and Hope's miniaturized lab, which causes the good guys to go looking for it, which causes them to fall into a trap set up by the ghost-like figure, who reveals herself to be a girl named Ava Starr, and Hank Pym's estranged former partner, Bill Foster, is there helping her out. We learn that Ava gained her ghost-like phasing capabilities from a failed quantum experiment that killed her parents in the process, and that she and Bill Foster plan to cure Ava using the quantum energy from Hank and Hope's tunnel. The Wasp and Ant-Man stopped them, believing they would kill Janet if they succeeded. Scott, Hank, and Hope then open the tunnel yet again and receive a direct message from Janet, giving them the exact coordinates in the Quantum Realm. Hank Pym later goes in to the Quantum Realm to retrieve his wife, while Ant-Man and the Wasp fight off the Ghost. The fight leads to the black market dealer Birch and his men finding Ant-Man and the Wasp, thus allowing Ava, the Ghost, to begin absorbing Janet's energy once again. Ant-Man and Wasp eventually stop Ava while Hank Pym re-emerges from the quantum tunnel with his wife Janet, and Janet volunteers some of her energy to Ava in order to save her life. The final scene shows Ant-Man going into the quantum realm to collect more energy while Hank, Hope, and Janet are vaporized due to Thanos' killing Snap from the previous movie, leaving Ant-Man stuck in the quantum realm. Now, this sequel felt like many of the other Marvel sequels where it just felt like a sequel for the sake of being a sequel, okay? I enjoy Paul Rudd and Michelle Pfeiffer just like everybody else, but I was like, can we get to Endgame, please? So for that, I give Ant-Man and the Wasp two out of six Infinity Stones. Next on the list is Captain Marvel, set in the 1990s and takes place before most of the events we've seen so far in the present MCU timeline. The movie revolves around Star Force member and civilian of the Kree Empire, Veers, who is suffering from amnesia and nightmares, showing a woman from her past that she doesn't seem to remember. During a mission to rescue an undercover operative infiltrating a group of Skrulls, Veers is captured by Skrull Commander Talos. Veers eventually escapes and crashes on Earth, running into a young Nick Fury. Soon after, the Skrulls find Veers and attack her and Fury. While the Skrulls are chasing after Veers, she discovers a crystal which contains her extracting memories that the Skrull pulled out of her while she was captured. After retrieving the fragments of memories inside the crystal, Veers and Nick Fury travel to a NASA facility where Veers discovers that she was formerly a pilot that was presumed dead in 1989 while testing an experimental engine designed by Dr. Wendy Lawson, who is the woman Veers recognizes in her dreams and fragmented memories <laughs> keeping up so far okay veers and fury are eventually found by the scroll so they escape and find maria rambo the last person who saw veers and dr lawson alive maria and her daughter monica inform veers that her real name is carol danvers scroll commander talus eventually arrives and claims that the scroll are actually refugees searching for a new place to call home Talos also reveals that Dr. Lawson was actually a renegade Kree scientist herself named Mar-Vell, who was helping the Skrull escape from terrors of the Kree. Talos then reveals more of Carol's memories, showing both Carol and the audience exactly how she got her powers when she was hit by and absorbed the energetic explosion caused by blowing up Dr. Lawson's experimental engine in order to keep the Kree from taking it for themselves. Later, Carol and the others locate Dr. Lawson's cloaked laboratory, which is hovering over Earth in space, where Lawson hid several scrolls, including Talos' family and the Tesseract, which we now know is one of the six Infinity Stones and the source of Carol's powers. The Kree then arrive at the laboratory and capture Carol, which puts her face-to-face -face with the Kree Supreme Intelligence and causes Carol to find the strength to destroy the Kree implant that was suppressing her powers this whole time 
time, thus unlocking Carol's full potential and allowing her to become Captain Marvel. A big battle then ensues, pew, 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 between the Kree and the newly formed Captain Marvel, named after Dr. Lawson, aka Marvel. The battle causes the Kree to retreat back to Hala, along with a warning from Captain Marvel to never return. The end of the movie shows Captain Marvel leaving with the Skrull to find them a new home in outer space, and Nick Fury writing up his plan on the Avengers Initiative. Okay, I'm gonna be real with you. I enjoyed Captain Marvel, okay? I did not like Brie Lawson as Captain Marvel. That sounds like an opinion that everyone has and I just claimed it for my own, but let me tell you why. As a narcissistic, pretentious actor myself, every time she had to convey any type of emotion, it seemed like her go-to was that tight-lipped, like constipated look she had on her face and I just couldn't get past it. I wanted more. I enjoyed the movie as a whole, and I enjoyed her to an extent, but I wanted more Brie Lawson. For that, you get a 3 out of 6 Infinity Stones. Girl, next. If you have stuck around thus far, I would like to say thank you so much, because we have finally arrived at the end with Avengers Endgame. Endgame brings us back to the present day, just 23 days after Thanos wiped out half of the universe. The opening scene shows Captain Marvel rescuing Iron Man and Nebula from Thanos' ship in outer space and brings them back to Earth, reuniting the Avengers for the first time since half of the team was wiped out. The Avengers plan on retaking the Infinity Stones to reverse Thanos' evil doings and they eventually locate Thanos on an uninhabited planet. Thanos then reveals to the Avengers that he destroyed the Infinity Stones so they could never be used again. Thor, in an act of rage, decides Thanos is no longer of any use and whacks that purple alien's head right off. We then fast forward to five years later to find that the Avengers have split up and Captain Marvel is traveling in space, helping other planets deal with the aftermath of Thanos' evil doings. We then find out that Ant-Man has escaped the Quantum Realm, where he goes to the Avengers compound to tell Captain America and Black Widow, hey, y'all might have experienced five years since I've been in the Quantum Realm, but I only experienced five hours. Maybe we could time travel using the Quantum Realm. With this theory in mind, Ant-Man, Captain America, and Black Widow go to find Tony Stark, aka Iron Man, for help. Because he has already made a life for himself with his wife Pepper and their daughter, Tony declines the chance to help with this new plan to go back in time and retrieve the Infinity Stones, but later he changes his mind after finding a photo of him and Peter Parker, aka Spider-Man, and realizing that he has to save Peter and everyone else. We then get to see Tony and the Hulk build a time machine, and then the Avengers split up into teams in order to travel to different moments in time to collect all six Infinity Stones. The Hulk finds the Ancient One and convinces her to give him the Time Stone. Captain America retrieves the Mind Stone at Stark Tower, while Iron Man and Ant-Man's attempt to steal the Space Stone fails, allowing 2012's Loki to escape with it. Iron Man and Captain America then travel even further back in time to 1970 to obtain an even earlier version of the Space Stone. Meanwhile, Rocket and Thor travel to Asgard in 2013 in order to extract the Reality Stone from Jane Foster. Thor retrieves his hammer Mjolnir and gets a chance to say goodbye to his mother, who we know was killed in Thor The Dark World. Nebula and War Machine travel to Morag in 2014 to steal the Power Stone before Peter Quill, aka Star-Lord, can steal it in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. 
War Machine returns to the present with the Power Stone, while Nebula is left stuck in the past with her cybernetic implants linked to those of her 2014 past self. Because of the connection between the two Nebulas, 2014's Thanos learns of his future success of collecting all six Infinity Stones and how the Avengers attempt to undo it. He then sends 2014's Nebula back to our present time in place of the current Nebula in order to sabotage the Avengers plans. Meanwhile, Hawkeye and the Black Widow travel to Vormir to retrieve the Soul Stone. Here we see the Red Skull yet again explain that the Soul Stone can only be retrieved by exchanging it for the life of someone you love. Natasha and Barton then fight over which one of them should sacrifice themselves in order to save everyone else, only for Natasha to eventually cause Barton to let go of her hand, causing her to fall to her death and giving Hawkeye the Soul Stone they need. From here, the Avengers reunite in the present and place the Infinity Stones in an Infinity Gauntlet created by Iron Man. We then see the Hulk, who is somewhat resistant to the gamma radiation of the gauntlet, snap his fingers and resurrect those who are disintegrated by Thanos. Meanwhile, while everyone's paying attention to that, 2014's Nebula uses the time machine to bring 2014's Thanos and his army to the present. Thor then blows up the Avengers compound, while present-day Nebula convinces 2014's Gamora, her sister, to betray Thanos and later kills her 2014 counterpart when she refuses to betray her father. Did that make sense? I hope so. Captain America, Thor, and Iron Man then proceed to battle against Thanos, but are quickly outmatched when Thanos summons his army. However, we look to the east and see a newly resurrected Doctor Strange come in like Gandalf in the Two Towers movie with the rest of the resurrected Avengers, Black Panther and his Wakandan forces, and the Asgardian Valkyrie. A lot of fighting ensues, the biggest battle we have seen so far, pew pew pew, wham bam, all the sound effects, okay. And eventually Captain Marvel arrives and destroys Thanos' ship. After taking down most of the Avengers, Thanos attempts to use the Infinity Stones to this time wipe out the entire universe, but he is unaware that Iron Man has swiped the stones for himself, thus wiping out Thanos and his army for good at the cost of Iron Man's own life. I'm not going to lie, I teared up a little bit because Iron Man is the foundation of this entire saga and he sacrifices himself to save everyone else. It's just it's just very touching. Anyway, the last scenes of Endgame show the remaining Avengers at Iron Man's funeral. Thor appoints Valkyrie as the new leader of the Asgardians while he joins the Guardians of the Galaxy. Captain America returns the Infinity Stones to their original timelines and remains in the past in order to live out his life with his former love, Agent Carter. From here, a much older Captain America reunites with the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Here we get to see the elderly Captain America pass along his shield to the Falcon. It's a beautiful moment. He's lived out his life. And with these final scenes that wrap everything up in these touching moments, Endgame wraps up Phase 3 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Such a good movie. One of the few that was worth the three hours I sat there watching it but so, so good. Amazing battles. It brings the entire cast of characters together through these 23 movies. So good. I give Endgame six Infinity Stones out of six. You did it, Marvel. You did it.
Thank you so much for going on that Petri dish dissection with me of the three phases of the MCU. Up next, after the short commercial break, I will let you know what's coming up on our next episode, plus some exciting news about the future of the Petri dish coming up right after this short commercial break. So stay tuned. Let's talk about Anchor, the free app brought to you by Spotify that brings you amazing podcasts like the Petri Dish and many more. Anchor has all the tools you need to record and create your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you to all major podcasting platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And best of all, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app today or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome back to episode four of the Petri Dish, a marvelous May. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of this episode. I'd like to take the rest of this episode to lay down some groundwork for what is to come as far as the future of the Petri Dish. First off, next Friday, May 28th, we will have a bonus episode of Marvel where I break down in depth the TV series WandaVision. Frankly, I'm not going to lie to you. I watched all those 23 movies so I can get to WandaVision because I heard it was so good. And let me tell you, it is so good. There are only nine episodes. So next week, I plan on dissecting every single episode, giving you little details and Easter eggs and hidden facts and all kinds of analysis on this amazing show. Now, let me tell you why I am doing it this way. Let me explain my thinking process over the last few weeks and months of producing this podcast, The Petri Dish. Here we go. I'm aware that a lot of these um, dissections that we have done have been very surface level dissections of these movies that we have talked about, you know, Star Wars, Marvel. These first several episodes of The Dish have been formatted to be a longer episode, potentially, and cover a wide array of information all in, say, an hour. But at the same time, since I've tried to put so much into one episode, for example, trying to cover 23 movies in this one episode, we don't get to dissect any specific topic past a surface level. I understand that I just read my notes over these 23 movies to you, and I don't think any of us want to keep doing that going forward, right? Now, a few of you Petri Dish listeners have taken the time to let me know that you did not get to hear about your favorite cartoon in episode two, and my guest from the previous episode decided to go on his podcast and talk about how I cut out a lot of the stuff he talked about when we were talking about Star Wars. So let me just tell you all, I hear you, okay? (laughs) But never fear, Petri Dish listeners, because I'm about to turn these frowns upside down with some exciting news drum roll please starting wednesday june 2nd the petri dish will be launching a weekly chat show known as the dish of the week in these weekly episodes we'll take things a little more casually we'll talk about what's going on in current events what happened last weekend what's going on this weekend and i would love to make it as interactive as possible. That's right, dear listeners, I want to hear from you. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, if you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, send me an email at thepetridishpodcast at gmail.com or message me on Instagram at thepetridish. I want to hear from you. Let's talk. 
But wait, that's not all. At the end of every month, we will put out a bonus episode that's a longer format that is dedicated to one specific topic, and we can dissect things and get real nerdy, dear listeners. So guess what? You get the best in bone worlds. That's right. Starting in June. Some people want to take some summer vacations, but not your boy Petrie. We are doubling down. Yes, God, house down boots. Oh, that was for all the Drag Race fans out there. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me here for this episode. Let me just say that this episode is not monetized and all names and characters mentioned today belong to Marvel, their respective trademark and copyright holders. And this episode is intended for information and entertainment purposes only. Thank you once again for joining me here for the Petri Dish. We will see you next week when we talk about WandaVision. Until then, goodbye.